You're listening to This QPOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. And tonight, we have a very special episode planned for you all. Get ready, people, because we are going to keep it real. We're going to keep it real about work. And we're going to mix it up and have an interview with a very special guest. Please welcome Ashley Nesby of BuzzFeed. Ashley, please introduce yourself and your pronouns. Hi, y'all. I'm Ashley Nesby. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And my name is Carlos Rios. And my pronouns are he, she, they, herses, and like a boss. (laughs) And this is the award-winning This QPOC. Life. My song? <laughs> the song my, in your heart. My four part oral idea of this coupon yeah. That okay, that so was that a run? It, it was an attempt, though. <laughs> okay, I heard you. So, so for all of you out there in listener land, whether this ends up on the podcast or not. <laughs> it was a medium job. Yeah, it was a skip. <laughs> it was a skip. That was a skip. Zachary oh, decided to showcase a, what we will graciously call a run. Yeah. It was, it was, I was marking. It was wind assisted. There was, like, track. down for the education of the table. Great. Right. I said... This Q-Pop Live. That's right. it. Mm-hmm. If, I wa- if I wanted to belt, I will belt. I believe you. Just like Jan Sport? She doesn't belt. She mixes. Okay, great. Let's get that, get that straight. All right, y'all. <laughs> I am very excited about today's episode for a number of reasons. As many of you know, during the day, I, myself, am an HR professional in the advertising industry. Being a queer person of color is challenging no matter where you're at in America, but In few places can it be more challenging than in the workplace, especially when you work in corporate America, TM. While all of us on this show identify as queer, none of us currently identify as female, which is why I'm thrilled to add this much-needed perspective to our show. We love femme voices and seek to feature more of them, so if you're femme-identified and want to chat with us, please drop us a line at ask at thiscupoc.life. Today's special guest is born and raised in Pittsburgh, PA, and attended college at Penn State University, where she played rugby for five years out of her 15-year rugby career. We are... I don't know what that means, but I'm just reading her bio. She was a part of the first lesbian couple to ever attend her high school's prom, which helped pave the way for generations to come after. She's married to her beautiful wife and spends her days working as a senior product marketing manager. But after 6 p.m., you can find her trying to spin her way to a body like Angela Bassett's, reading tarot cards, and using crystals to have deep conversations with the universe, all with a bourbon in hand. During today's conversation, Ashley and I will discuss her experiences as a queer woman of color in corporate America, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Uh and we'll share ideas on how we can help each other come up and come out in the workplace. Please welcome Ashley. Hi. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have you on the podcast. So to get started, I thought I would ask a little bit about you and your background. So tell, you know, you mentioned you grew up in in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what your family was like and what growing up was like for you. Yeah. So I am the youngest 
of 10. Okay. Uh, wow. So I have a lot of brothers and sisters Big out there family. in the world. Um, and so I think the last time we counted was many years ago, and I had something like 30 nieces and nephews wow. out there in the world. A lot of great nieces and nephews. Um, my mom and dad had me very late in life. Um, hashtag accident. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful accident. So a lot of my brothers and sisters had already had kids by the time I even came out the womb. Mm-hmm. So it was an automatic aunt. Um, so it was nice. Huge family Family gatherings at all times. Um, a lot of moms and dads, because all my brothers and sisters thought that they could tell me what to do at all times because they were older. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Okay. And how do you think that having such a big family helped shape you into the person that you are today? Yeah, it just taught me to be fiercely loyal. You mm-hmm. find your tribe and you stick with them and nobody can fuck with them, whether that's in the workplace or within your friend group. Um, I'm always the one that people call whenever there's incidents okay. with their significant others. It's me who's on speed dial. Um, Ash, get to the house and get so-and-so out the house. I've been known to Okay, so you're a, bit, you're a bit of a fixer. I'm a bit of a fixer. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the Olivia Pope of your, of your family. Ashley Pope, yes. That's exactly how I am. <laughs> yep. That's amazing. And tell me a little bit about how, because, you know, we can look at someone and assume what someone's ethnicity or race might be, mm-hmm. but that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So how do you identify racially or ethnically? The blacker the berry, the sweeter the, the juice. juice. I'm black. Yes. Love it. Say it loud. Ashley black is black and, and proud. proud. Yes. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your sexuality identity. Yeah. Identify as lesbian. Um, for a while, I was also bisexual. I kind of go back and forth depending upon where I'm at in my lifetime. Um Married to my beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. I'll be married to her forever and a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, proud lesbian. Okay. And you, you've been with her for 15 years now, your wife? Oh, no. No. We've been together for five. Oh, rugby. Sorry. Rugby yeah. was 15 years. <laughs> rugby was 15 years. My wife and I have been together for five, married for three months. Oh, my goodness. We just got married in October. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. Thank That's you. very exciting. Thank you. Has anything changed for you since being married? Do you feel different? Um, you feel different the day after. So like the day of, there's too many things to worry about. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, shit, like we're about to join, like we've joined together. When you're just engaged or you're just together, you feel like if you get on my nerves, I can just take my couch and leave and go somewhere else. When you're married, you don't do that. You don't want to do that. So you feel like the weight and the responsibility of it. And it's it's a beautiful feeling to know that you're walking through the world with someone who has your back. Okay. Yeah. And when did you first identify as non-straight? We'll say that. Um, sixth grade. Okay. Uh, sixth grade is when I told my first uh, best friend that like, mm, you know how you feel about, there's this one dude who everybody in the school loved. I will not say his name. They all loved him. And I said, and you know how you feel about that person? This is kind of how I feel about you and someone else. And so thankfully, she uh, felt the same way and was kind of going through the same stuff. So we were able to have really honest conversations. Um, And so that led to kind of me eventually coming out in a pretty big way. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about that big come out? Yeah. So I come out, I think most people do. I came out in waves. So there was that time. Um, And then there was uh, my high school prom 
um, that you talked about at the start. Mm-hmm. So uh, my best friends had already known. I had told them early on, this is who I am, whatever. And of course, uh, I came from a smaller town. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone knew everybody. I loved it. It's when like your friend's mom would beat you if you did some shit wrong and your mom would just be like, good on you. Deserve right? it. Like, so we came from a very small community. So um, I had decided, myself and my girlfriend at the time, had decided we're going to go to prom together. And uh, my principal called me in the office and said, and she was also a family friend because small town, mm-hmm. and said, um, are you sure? Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because people had already found out we were a couple. They found out we were going to prom. They went home and told their parents. Their parents then called the school and said, we hear you're about to let this crazy shit happen. We don't want it. We don't want our kids around it. So she called us into the office and kind of had like a come to Jesus. Like, if this is what you want to do, know there'll be ramifications. And so at our school, there's a huge auditorium. Parents, friends, cousins you haven't talked to in forever pack into the auditorium. You come from stage left. Girl comes from stage right. You meet in the middle, hold hands. Everyone sees your outfit. It's a big thing. Oh, wow. There's so a presentation there's a moment. presentation and you walk down and there's like cameras and everyone's sharing for you. So we knew that's what was going to happen. So I came out to my family and friends, but that was also me coming out to my entire community that day too. Wow, that must have been really powerful. I don't think I realized in the moment because of how hard-headed and stubborn I am. I just said, like, no one's going to tell me what I can't do. Right. But now that I look back on it, that was scary. Yeah. That was some shit. But I'm glad I did it. Okay. You think it made you a little more fearless in life? Yeah. Once you feel like, and I I tell people this all the time, once you realize that people being uncomfortable with you does not change anything in your daily life, Mm. you realize you go on and they get to sit in their corner and be uncomfortable. Once you realize that, like nothing stops you. Yeah. It's more about them than it is about you. It's always about them. Mm. Yep. Very true. So I learned that very early on. Okay. Mm? Good lessons to teach the children. Yep. Trying to bring them up right. So I mentioned that you are a senior product marketing manager Mm -hmm. at BuzzFeed. Mm -hmm. So we have listeners that come from all different kinds of walks of life and some that are younger and maybe aren't in the workplace right now. So can you share a little bit about what is the kind of work that you do? What does a senior product marketing manager do? Sure. So um, I will tell you this. I'm still figuring it out because it's new. Uh, <laughs> okay. It was a promotion that I just got at the top of this year. Congratulations. So I'm three weeks into it. Okay. Thank you. Like a boss. Like a boss. So um, they gave me my two-week grace period to like figure my life out. And now everyone is like, we gave you your time. It's time to like figure some shit out for yourself. But so it's essentially we have all these products and things that we can sell at BuzzFeed. I help to um, ensure the sales team understands them. The good part about this that is different from my past role is I also will now get to speak on panels and talk about like the great shows we're making, the great creators that we have, Mm -hmm. and host panels, be on panels, and just kind of evangelize the products that we have there. So a lot more client-facing than I was before. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And did you always want to do something like this or did you fall into this? Oh, I fell so hard. I fell <laughs> this mm-mm. <laughs> mm-mm. Uh, This wasn't on my chart uh, of my life plans, but um, as life does, it says fuck the chart and it takes you wherever it wants to take you and I'm grateful for it. But no, I had uh, products, product marketing, none of that was on my radar. Okay. But I'm grateful that I had some really great people around me who helped me understand where my strengths were and pushed me to kind of overcome the fears a little bit. And here I am in one of the best roles that I've ever had. 
That is really great to hear. Yeah. And for the people out there who are listening and don't quite know what to do with their careers or feel mm-hmm. like they're maybe making it up as they go along, I yeah. want all of them to know that one, you're probably gaslighting yourself because the imposter effect is real. Oh, it's so real. Um, it's and paralyzing. When you are a person of color, when you're queer, mm-hmm. when you're female, um, you always feel like you're not good enough yeah. or not doing well enough compared to your peers. So yep. one, recognize it, get through it. Mm-hmm. Get over is never what I want to say, but get through is usually the right word. Mm-hmm. And um, know that a lot of us are making it up sure. as we go along. Nobody really knows what they're doing. It's yeah. just about making sure you have a face that says that you do to yeah. make other people feel comfortable. Then you go and you figure it out yeah. after you told them you already know what you're doing. All right, good. And being a queer person in the workplace mm-hmm. is yet another layer, right? You mm-hmm. can, I mean, and you have a couple of layers, right? You use a lot of qualifiers and a lot of identifiers, even in your bio, right? You play mm-hmm. rugby, you are married, yeah. you're lesbian, you are trying to get a body like Angela Bassett. I am, my God. <laughs> I don't know how she does you it. You identify as black. Jesus, hear my prayer. <laughs> So specifically, taking it back to being a queer person or a queer woman, Mm -hmm. how do you think that being a queer woman has impacted you in the workplace? Has it been a positive experience? Has it been negative? It's probably been a mixed bag, but I'd love to hear your take on how you've you've navigated your identity in the workplace. Yeah, it's been... uh... It's been difficult at times, Mm -hmm. but early on, I learned that I'm going to have to show up as exactly who I am day in and day out. Mm -hmm. There was a time, especially when you start out in your profession and in professional life and the corporate world, you try to put on a mask because you're just not sure how you're going to be received. And for me, doing that felt more detrimental than um, it, it just... I thought I was going to be protecting myself and I was actually hurting myself. And I learned that very early on. Um, And so now the way that I navigate through corporate America as a queer, black, married, lesbian woman um, is to just show up as me every day. Mm -hmm. And um, I was on a panel recently and this this question kind of came up and it's making sure that when I'm talking to my colleague sitting next to me, who's on like my same level, Mm -hmm. I'm having the very same conversation with the CEO when I'm in the room with him, what me and my wife did, what I did that weekend that that incorporated her, my experience. And so the way that I navigate through this is just um, almost in a bullish way and Mm -hmm. in a way that says um, I am a wall and you can try to Ram into me as many times as you can to bring me down, but it, you'll be hurt, not me. Right. I still stand. The strong, strong woman letting them know. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. There are some people for whom maybe they aren't as strong yeah. in their personal identity or just as who they are. Maybe they're not as as tough is not the word that I would... Yes, you're probably tough, but I, I when I say <laughs> it, I don't mean it in a harsh way. Yeah. I mean that you're you're tough, right? Mm-hmm. What What kind of advice do you have for people who may not be as strong in themselves or as strong in their convictions, like what kinds of resources or help can those people look for in the workplace? Yeah, I I always say find your allies at at work. Um, You always have, or hopefully you'll be able to reach out to people who you consider friends, work friends and outside friends are different, but like find your work friends, find your people who can champion for you. 
I always say, don't ever put yourself in a situation where you think you're going to be or you feel uncomfortable. Don't try to force yourself to uh, present and or um, talk about things that you're not yet ready to talk about. Go at your own pace. There's no rules to this. If you Mm -hmm. don't feel like you want to tell people who you are or your sexuality or what you do when you go home until you're five years into your job, then fuck it. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. Like, go at your own pace. There's no, there, there aren't any rules to this. And find the people who can be your allies at work. And especially, <clears throat> excuse me, in a corporate environment, people follow leaders for good and for bad. That's correct. And so if you get somebody who is higher up in the world, in the corporate world, to be on your side just by having that alliance made, the rest of your workplace starts to fall in line. So find your allies and move at your own pace. Do what's comfortable for you. Don't let anybody tell you or rush it. I like that. I like it, especially the part around finding people in leadership because I think... um, I have, I've always said that leaders cast long shadows mm-hmm. in an organization. And so people look to that person, whether they legitimately or illegitimately hold that position of leadership mm-hmm. and they have influence and they yes. really do build a culture in a company. Mm-hmm. And so finding those people, I think is really important. Were there any avenues or any ways? I mean, did you just show up at a leader's place or how did you connect with leaders during yeah. your journey? Um, so how I found allies in leadership is I paid really close attention to who decided to align themselves where. Mm -hmm. So for instance, the boss that I was working with, he had a particular interest in our bio group. So like black identification organization. Okay. Um, He had friends who were also lesbian and of the, like the LGBT community. So I knew immediately that I had a friend in him. And then once you realize that leadership and mainly anybody, they kind of um, walk in packs like birds of a feather fly together and so then that helped me understand who I could trust and who I could align myself with and I sat myself there it also helps you to understand who you shouldn't and who I should stay away from mm-hmm. so I made sure I was very purposeful in who I formed those connections with and who I fostered those relationships with and it's helped me throughout my career but as it pertains to finding allies I found one and then because people kind of stick together I understood who the next ones could be okay. for my own little tribe. Exactly. You got to create your support network. Yeah. One of the things that is challenging, and I find it as a queer person of color, that we're sort of in this double bind consistently because the world of corporate America, although it's starting to diversify a little bit more, it's mm-hmm. very white mm-hmm. and it's very cisgender and mm-hmm. it's very male. Yep. And the LGBTQ plus community is by and large represented mostly by white cisgender males. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your experiences working with other queer people in the workplace and maybe when there was a miss between like your identity markers and their identity markers? Yeah, I mean, almost always. Even um, within my own org at Mm -hmm. work, I'm one of very few people of color just in general. Don't layer on top of that a female. Don't layer on top of Mm -hmm. that part of the community. So very often I am the only one. Yep. I'm the outlier. Um, And it, it can be difficult. But for me, because I went to a school like Penn State, which is predominantly white, I played a sport that is played by predominantly white people. I understood 
how to navigate in those areas. And it didn't, I, I was never surprised at being the only one. For me, that's an, like an opportunity for me to teach. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you probably don't know very much about people who look like me or represent like I do or present like I do. So I take it as like a teaching and a, and a learning opportunity. Um, the only time it ever gets hairy is when people assume our experiences are the same. Sure. And I guess that can go even outside of the community, but that's the only time it gets a little tricky. And, you know, you, I am of the mind that you kind of check them on the spot. Like, don't let that shit linger because then they're going to take that assumption somewhere else and piss somebody else off. Um, So I just try to check them in the moment. But it it doesn't surprise me that I am often one, or I call it like the period on a piece of paper. It's just me out there in the lone sea of whiteness. But you're hitting all the diversity markers at one time. I I sure am. I'm an after-school special all by myself. But then if you leave, their their metrics go down to zero from 100. So (laughs) Exactly. Real fast. Oh, my goodness. So you've been in business now for some time and you have seen some great success in your career. Mm -hmm. As you think about the future of work and where our industries are going, what do you think is important for us as queer people of color to be thinking about issues in the workplace in the future? There are so many things, but um, I, I want people to understand that, one, I want people to, one, move at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Do what feels right for you. Find the people in the workplace who can be your champions and stick with them. But also, don't be afraid to make noise and don't be afraid to make other people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because it, it never... However, they feel has absolutely nothing to do with you, and is in most instances is not going to affect your career. And if it does, and that's when you make your appointment with your HR representative, and you get yeah. your shit, you know, you get it handled. But yeah, find who your allies are, move at your own pace, and just be extremely as much as you feel comfortable being. Be um, extremely outspoken and vocal about who you are, and be okay with people not being okay with that because at the end of the day they go home and they they sit with their shit and you continue to to rise up in the ranks being as unbothered as you possibly can be. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that there's it, I think we sell this narrative of there's a there's a playbook that you have to do everything right. by, right? You have to be a director by 30, you have mm-hmm. to make over 100k by I don't know 25. Mm-hmm. But the truth is we're all on our own journey. We are. And no one can do that for you except for you. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about you and thinking about your future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just got this new job, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. Um, I have also heard through the grapevine that you might be doing some writing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted to get a sense from you, like what's coming up for you this year that you're excited about over the next decade or so? We've been talking a lot about the new year and the yeah. new decade. So what are some things that you're looking forward to this year? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, I've been trying to find for, I don't know how long, um, a choir, a chorus to sing with. Okay. I miss it so much. You and have every, a song in your heart. I have so many songs in my heart to sing, but um, every time I find them, they're usually attached to a church and yeah. obviously I, I can't, you know, Doesn't I can't work for you. sing for you and then you'd be at home praying for my life. I don't, that's not what I right. want. Like, <laughs> trust me, I know where I'm going. So I can't do that. Um, uh, so I want to find that. I also want to uh, 
Act Again. I miss that as well. Um, wow. And We're learning stuff about you tonight. Yeah. These are all the things that in college I kind of gave up because I was an athlete and that's sure. all you focus on. Yeah. And then you feel like you're too old to do anything that you wanted to actually do. So I just want to focus on things that make me happy. Writing, singing, and acting. Amazing. In 2020. Well, this is a great time to do all of those things. Yeah, why not? So I'm looking forward to some very exciting work coming out of you you. over the next year and beyond. So my last question for you is just a little bit about um, how people can connect with you. I think we've had a great conversation and Mm -hmm. I really appreciated all of your honesty and openness and bravery. Thank you. Um, How can people connect with you and keep the conversation going? Yes. So I, um, you can find me on um, Instagram, uh, Ashley Loray. 29. I just found out today on the way here, there's another Ashley Loray. That's not me. Oh. That's not me. Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled. Put the 29 at the end. Um, Yeah, that's the only place. I tried Twitter. I tried it twice. I wrote two things. I can't do it. I'm not that interesting. It's a lot to keep up with. I don't have that much to say every day. But yes, Instagram, Ashley Loray, 29. Great. And let's take a break. And with that, you all, our time together comes to a close on this very special episode of This Cupac Life. A great big thank you and a shout out to our guest, Ashley Nesby. Thank you so much for coming this evening. Thank you for Uh, having me. Of course, it's been a pleasure. And as always, you may call me by my name, Carlos Rios. That's Trey Fabulo online. And you can also go to my new website, (laughs) www.carlosjrios.com. So until next time, this was the award-winning This Q-Pac Life. This Q-Pac Life.